days uh, thawed out? Were you getting that ice? We actually weren't that bad. Uh, it was more more Austin that was uh, really frozen over. They were uh, without power for a while. Actually, we, um, we've got some friends, uh, one guy that works with us, who he and his wife live in Austin. He tracks for us on the weekends and is kind mm. of our fill-in guy. But they didn't have power for four days. Yikes. Yeah, so Jeez. it was. Uh, he, he said, "Like we're, we're we're totally fine. We're 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 okay. We're doing good. It's just annoying as fuck." I'm just looking at because uh, I have no uh, sense of Texas Texas geography, and it looks like Austin is about uh, an hour and three quarters west of you, but a little bit south too. It's like they're basically like a straight line, probably on a globe. But it's just weird that west yeah, and south it's... meant colder and more ice. Yeah. It's uh, it's not even that that west and south meant more ice. It's just like how the wind pattern was uh was working. Cause mm. even north of us was ice. Dallas was real bad. Even like forty five minutes to an hour north of us was yeah. uh, was real bad. Our our tower for the station was frozen over, but we Jeez. didn't really get any ice. I so see. we were on a backup power for our tower from like Tuesday through early Friday morning. Dang. But I mean, well. here in here in College Station, it wasn't it, it wasn't that bad. It was cold. You know, yeah. we got a little ice like in parking lots, but that was about it. Yeah, yeah, we um we were getting a little got a little bit of snow enough to actually go sledding for the first time this winter. Like oh, the past that's awesome. two winters, yeah, the past <laughs> two winters have been like nothing. But so this one, it was like I don't know three or four inches maybe. But everyone was like, we got to take advantage. This may be the most that we get. Um, <laughs> you know, we still have all of February to go and a yeah, little bit of March. Yeah. But it was yesterday we woke up and it was one of those days where it was like four and the wind chill was like negative in the <laughs> negatives. Um, but today, right now, as I'm talking to you at 1030 in the morning, it's 46. God, I, yeah. I do not miss those days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't miss them. You know, I, it, it gets cold down here, but like cold for me now is in the thirties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I remember, uh, I remember living in the South and the, uh, enjoying the basic lack of winter, you know, yeah, I would get in the thirties <laughs> or whatever. And then, then, yeah, you know, like you, you pay for it in the summer when it's in the triple digits. Oh, absolutely. Whenever you don't get like a day in an entire month span, less than 95 degrees. Yeah. It's like your, you know, your mind will forgive you for like not taking, you know, like, well, it's winter. We can't really go outside. But then when it's yeah. summer and you can't go outside, it's like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, is like, I'm sure you remember this, too. Uh, I had a remote yesterday and I'm standing out at a car wash for two hours. Mind you, it is 45 degrees. Tim, I got sunburned on my neck because <laughs> it's still Texas. It's yeah. still the sun. <laughs> Yeah, you're still that close to the equator. <laughs> like, I, I was wearing my jacket, but I got sunburned. Uh, should we just get going? Might as well, yeah. All right. Welcome to No Hugging, No Learning. It's a show about one thing, watching Curb Your Enthusiasm for the first time. I'm Tim Murphy. And I'm Ted Hollowell. And today we will be talking about Season 5, Episode 5. We're right in the middle. Lewis needs a kidney. So kind of a spoiler alert there, everybody, <laughs> right there in the title, uh, kind of teased in an earlier episode, but we're, we're finally getting the back, you know, the, the rest of the story. But before that, what's the deal with stuff from our last episode, Kamikaze Bingo? We didn't have any homework, but just as some extra credit, I, I wanted to go and, you know, do some research on Kamikaze Pilots because it's such a big part of that episode. And mainly, I just wanted to find out if it was such an anomaly that Kamikaze Pilots did not complete their mission. Like, mm -hmm. Larry is 
interested to learn. And I, you know, sometimes a, a premise pops up and you can just see Larry just being, you know, so pleased and giddy with himself for thinking of it. You know, like one, one thing is the, all the, uh, the, you know, we talked about the meetings of the black community and the gay community and, and how they actually do meet and they discuss who they like and who they don't like. And that probably stemmed from people saying the gay agenda and stuff like that. And, and this is one of those where he was like, oh, I wonder, you know, a kamikaze pilot that survives. That's kind of funny. That's a funny idea. Yeah. Let's explore that. <laughs> um, and so but kamikaze pilots, there were some who were unable to complete their missions, sometimes because of mechanical failure, sometimes because obviously the U.S. knew this operation was going on. So they would intercept the kamikaze pilot before it did any damage to the ship that it was after. I think mainly they had just attacked naval ships and aircraft carriers and stuff like that. But those pilots were stigmatized in the years following the war, I guess, when they did make it back to base, like if they were shot down and, and taken as prisoners of war and then returned later or whatever. But the stigma did begin to diminish some 50 years after the war as scholars and publishers began to distribute the survivors' stories. So I guess it became a little more accepted, but perhaps not, you know, uh, by the time this episode was aired, or at least by the time Larry David got to explore the idea. There was a manual. <laughs> there was a kamikaze pilot manual called the Takotai and uh, they would read it on Taco Tai Tuesday. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> <Boo>. Canceled. <laughs> uh, it, it explained. So God in, damn in, it, Tim. You know, in addition to how to, like, do maximum damage and, and you know, and, and be a, and there was an art and a skill to being a kamikaze pilot, uh, I guess. It's not just flying a plane into something. But they explained how a pilot may turn back if he could not locate a target and that a pilot should not waste his life lightly. Mm. Although, one pilot, a graduate from Waseda University, who continually came back to base, was shot after his ninth return. So oh they my get, god. I know, they had a nine strikes and you're out <laughs> policy for the kamikaze pilots. <laughs> I respect that guy. That would be me, though. That would one million, you know, like, shame, you know, societal shame be damned. I would come back every time going, nah, I didn't see. Nah. There's nothing. What well, no. wasn't, wasn't worth it, you know? Yeah. No, I saw like a lobster boat, I think. But, I mean, nothing <laughs> nothing military. Yeah, nothing out there. So uh, I'll, go, I'll go out uh, tomorrow. I think it's my ninth yeah. time. <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't, didn't happen to see any spy balloons. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Now we use kamikaze balloons. It's much more yeah. humane. <laughs> um, but I like that. He tried nine times. Like, you know, I'm starting to think Tim is not actually looking for anything to fly his plane into. <laughs> All right. He's going out for his ninth time tomorrow. If he comes back, I will take some disciplinary action. <laughs> Cocking a gun sound effect. I was going to try to do it. And I was like, that might not. Would you have known what that was? I don't think so. That's yeah. Why I didn't... Yeah. Oh, okay. I would have known. Yeah. <laughs> Please, Tim. I grew up in the middle of the woods. Yeah. I know what a gun sounds like. You live like. in Texas now. But it doesn't yeah. sound like that. That's the thing. I was like, I don't think I can do it. Well, it, it dep depends on what kind of gun you're going for. Yeah. Um, I, I guess if you're if you're doing more of like a bolt action, it's more of like a. Yeah, that, um, see, there you go. I needed to uh, I needed to ch it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah you need like back a little the throat, more. I needed some cheek action. Yeah, you need like some uh, some saliva in your cheek action. Yeah. If you're if you're doing like a pistol, it's more of like a. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. So, Both of those were great. Yeah, I was doing it in the back <laughs> of my throat. I should. Did that sound better? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was good. One more thing about the manual. It told pilots to never close their eyes, as this would lower the chances of hitting their targets. That would also be very tough for me not to do. Like, oh, here comes the impact. I don't. I don't want to see it coming. <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. But you, you know, all of a sudden you're not aiming where you were aiming uh, at first. 
So, and I think that Larry David, I, I doubt he did actual research on this, but I believe that, what's his name? Tanaka. I believe Tanaka's eyes are open as he might, makes a kamikaze run at Larry at the end of the episode. But one inconsistency, and this is why I say Larry probably didn't research it, or if he did, he doesn't care because Banzai is what Tanaka yells. And that's probably, you know, what most Americans would would think, you know, would it's like the one Japanese expl- exclamation that we kind of know, Banzai, when you're doing something you know, extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the final moments before the crash, the pilot, it, this was in the manual, was supposed to yell Hisatsu, Hisatsu at the top of his lungs, which translates to certain kill, or I don't get this how this can mean both sink without fail. I don't understand how that, those two phrases could be interchangeable with, you know, in the same phrase, how that, how Hisatsu could mean certain kill or sink without fail. It doesn't make sense, but I, I don't know anything about the Japanese language. So, except I do know, uh, isn't that the language that they say? The word for crisis is the same as the word for opportunity. So that's not very much. Hmm. That's uh, not yeah, very I'm, similar. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they did not yell bonsai. They yelled something totally different, which uh, I was surprised to learn. So uh, that's all from uh, our, you know, extra credit. Didn't even have any homework. But uh, let us now consult the book. In this episode, we get some trivia here. At a barbecue restaurant in Santa Monica, David Larry David saw the words, Kofi was here, carved into a table, and wondered what kind of idiot would do that. Hence the storyline in this episode. Larry David used to play a lot of bingo at his mother's nursing home, saying, I never won, but I like to say on the show, I always felt like I was going to. Or, but like I say on the show, I always felt like I was going to. David Larry David says the scene in which he tells the doctor to find out if the bingo game is fixed is the silliest scene he's ever done. All right. During editing, Larry David realized the sound from the porn movie his father was watching wasn't clear enough. He asked one of the show's PAs, Charlie Halfen, <laughs> if she would dub some porn audio for them. And oh she, my God. And she, I'm, it doesn't say this here, but I'm guessing pun not intended, nailed it on her first try. <laughs> when they screened her scene later, it received one of the biggest responses that season. So, uh, okay, wait, I'm guessing it was just like her... Like voicing over the audio, right? Yeah. yeah I don't okay. Think she made a. a I, I was gonna porn. say, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, that's Larry would get me too, just based. Yeah, on Oh, us absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Well, I mean, when, when you said when they screened her scene, I'm like, uh, uh, right. what? No, I, I guess when they screened the fully edited in uh, okay. version, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how do you not nail that on the first take? You know, it's like, no, no, it wasn't. I mean, I guess it could have been not dirty enough because there's no way it could be any dirtier than what she was saying so i guess maybe that was the worry but she started at 10 and they were like that's what we needed right there um kevin so it is interesting that it wasn't the audio from that movie though because it it really fit up it really fit pretty well uh pun not intended uh, again about porn uh what were they thinking from the what they were thinking section? Kevin Nealon said, just being in a scene with Larry was sort of surreal. It was very awkward for me because I don't swear in real life. The director and producers would come up to me and say, you should say something like, what the fuck is going on here? This is bullshit. It was really difficult to me to keep, for me to keep a straight face. We came very close to having to shut down the episode. Wow, because Kevin Nealon was breaking. That's a shock. <laughs> And Ken Takamoto, who played Tanaka, said, Losing face is a very true experience. My parents used to say, whatever you do, remember the effect of your actions. The neighbors are going to know, and we're all going to lose face, not just you. It's a Japanese culture thing. They have a saying, if there's a nail sticking up, pound it down so that everybody is the same. You never want to stand out and be different. So uh, some interesting cultural background from uh, one of the actors. And that is, uh, that's it from the book. 
All right, do we got any news or anything? <laughs> yeah, I have to mention this, and I, I hope you've seen it by now, because when I found out about it, I, I tweeted about it immediately. But on Twitch, somebody has started a an endless episode of Seinfeld. It is called oh my Watch God, Me yeah. Forever. It is computer-generated <laughs> graphics. like, And I mean predating me using computers graphics like so computer like 80s computer generated graphics with an ai generated script that never ends and (laughs) and it is hilarious and it already has rabid fans who are just like constantly blowing up the chat like they they know they know all the jokes you know i I guess uh it's not jerry it's larry uh all the names are wrong elaine is yvonne i think george is fred (laughs) <laughs> and I forget what they call Kramer, but it's like it's like Kratten or something like that. God damn it. And I, I watched it for like five minutes and I'm like, what is going on? In its absurdity, because they'll say something completely like, hey, why don't we go to the park today? Oh, I don't want to go there. I, I saw a squirrel there last time. And then like that's almost laugh too funny because laugh, yeah. the laugh track constantly pops up. Uh, and, and the other thing the, the chat loves is... And it happens often is because it's happened both times I've I've been watching. Uh, someone starts using the microwave in Larry's apartment. <laughs> Wait, it can't be Larry, is it? Because it is it Larry? Because um, I feel like that's too close to Larry David. But maybe I don't it know. is. I I, I mean I, at least I I noticed that Larry was Larry was yeah. popping up in the chat like whenever Jerry was oh, on okay. screen. Uh, maybe maybe I'm wrong. But people, someone starts using the microwave and he goes beep. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's really loud, and and everyone starts like writing beep 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 in the chat, and they're like microwave, yes. <laughs> it is hilarious what they love, but I figure let's. Oh, and then like so after a scene goes on for like two or three minutes, it cuts to an exterior of the apartment, and it plays like a, a like weak ass version of the sign. It'll, it'll play like one bass note, it'll go like bonk, and then it'll go like. And then it goes to the interior, and they just start some inane conversation. But let's pull up a little bit, and I'll play it through the phone here. Oh, someone oh, was just using the microwave. I'm sorry we missed it. Oh, man. It is Larry, too. Someone says Larry wants out. It's an interesting night. It didn't freeze. There's just way too long pauses. Well, oh, there we go. Here we go. So that's the theme song. <laughs> oh, a new episode starting over. Ooh. So we get some Larry stand-up. Back to my doctor after he told me I had a cold last week. And he says to me, hey, Larry, you feeling better? And I was like, what do you mean? He said, you're cold. I said, no, I'm feeling great. Why wouldn't I be? He just kind of shook his head and said, all right, let's see what else is going on. (laughs) So I had to get out my stethoscope and listen to my chest. And he's like, that doesn't sound good, Larry. I said, what do you mean? That doesn't sound good. He says, you don't have a cold anymore. You're sick with laughter. So I guess the moral of this story is sometimes laughter is the best medicine. Unless you go to the wrong doctor. Anyways, have you ever noticed how people always tell you to just smile when you're feeling down? It's like, what do they think is going to happen if I smile? That the sadness will magically disappear? Well, let me tell you. (laughs) That's not bad. You don't just get rid of your problems by slapping a smile on your face. 
but you do feel better when you laugh and enjoy life. So I guess there's something to that. All right. Thanks, guys. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, that's like, I would be worried if Jerry Seinfeld was like, you know, you can't, your problems don't just disappear if you slap a, slap a smile on your face. Hang on. Uh, and, and who could forget Jerry's, you know, classic closer. All right. That's it. Uh, Thanks, guys. I'm thinking of going to the new coffee shop down the street, but I kind of feel like flying a kite shop. on the beach. <laughs> What do you think? Do you want to come with? <laughs> Who knows? Maybe we'll even find a hilarious adventure to get into. <laughs> what do you say? Hmm, I think a beach adventure sounds like fun. Let's see what kind of trouble we can get into. Maybe we'll find a monster in the sand and have to figure out how to beat it. I'm sure it'll be a memorable and entertaining day. What do you think? Should we give it a try? <laughs> this sounds like the dialogue in Choose Your Own Adventure Games. Yes. Let's go. Do you want to go to Should a beach or do you want to go to a coffee shop? Turn to page 47. You know. <laughs> Oh, that was the end of the scene. So <laughs> it's surprisingly watchable. Like you said, you watched it for like five minutes. I think that's about how long you, you'll watch for longer than you expect to when you when you pull it up. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, it's a good thing to put on at a party. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yeah, it's amazing. So I think I saw that. Um, I think Kramer's name is Kratten or something like that. And it's Fred Katsopoulos is George Costanza. Oh, my God. And Larry Feinberg, I think, is is Larry yeah. uh, is Jerry Seinfeld. And, <laughs> and I forget Yvonne's last name, but, you know, it starts with a B. It's pretty great. It's pretty great. So we have a link to it from our Twitter uh, account, but it's just called Watch Me Forever. And yeah. you, you probably I, will. I know. I, I found out about it from you tweeting it, but I also uh, saw that our friends at the Champagne Video Store included a video of it on yeah. Instagram. So if you want to check them out. Uh, check them out and give them a follow as well. Champagne Video Store, good, uh, good people over there. Uh, always funny memes and always good analysis. Oh yeah, I, I, I say that like they're giving me money, but they are not. <laughs> no, I enjoy them. <laughs> beep beep beep. <laughs> yeah, microwave, microwave. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, Tim, before we get into the disclaimer, I feel like we got to do something that we haven't done in a little bit. Are you ready to get lost in the mail? Yes. Or do, would you like to save that saying. for the end of the season or for the end of the episode? Where uh, uh, where do you think it fits best hmm. since you know hmm. the content? I'll tell you what. We'll, we'll just do it now. We'll, All we'll, right. We'll, we'll, we'll clear it out now. All right. Today's piece of mail comes from John Mara in Stockholm, Sweden. John says, hi, still enjoying your show every week. Here's a thought I've noticed slash you've mentioned. Brent Hinckley, born April 12th, 1962, is an American actor. Uh, I, I should note the subject of this. He says, Ed Wood, sign verse, a recommendation. Hmm. Uh, Brent Hinckley is an American actor. He is best known for his role as Lou the Sidler in the Seinfeld episode, episode The Merv Griffin Show, and Ed Wood by Tim Burton. Jerry Seinfeld talked about Plan 9 several times in several several episodes. Mm -hmm. The Chinese restaurant and the finale, at least. Kramer sounding promise. Uh, I'll get a Patreon as soon as my book is published. So I don't know if you've done Ed Wood yet, but it's an excellent movie. It's the one by Tim Burton, that is. Keep up I the good work on Curb. Happy New Year, John Mara from Sweden. Well, thanks. 
yeah, so, yeah I have maybe, never seen that. I I've never I've never seen Ed Wood either or Plan Nine, honestly. So those would uh, those would both be fun to do. Yeah, I saw Plan Nine uh, because Rift Tracks did it in in theaters. So have you ever I, seen like the the actual movie without the without the Mystery Science Theater people? I have not. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I've, uh, you know, I remember enough of it, you know, because they don't, I don't, maybe they, maybe they do cut things. I don't think they do because Plan 9, I think, is pretty short for a feature length movie. But yeah, that I, I like that because there's, you know, it's not like it, they broke in the middle or anything like that. They show the whole movie all the way through and it's riff tracks. That'd be good. I mean, we could save it for uh, Halloween, but we don't have to. I know we're looking for another movie to do. Yeah, so. yeah, that is true. Could uh, yeah. it, it could pop up soon. Could happen later this year. Who knows? Who mm-hmm. knows? All right. If you have never listened to us before, we are not a research-heavy show, despite the last 26 minutes being almost exclusively research and bullshit. We like to have our questions pop up naturally in the run of the episode and assign them to ourselves the week following as though we are giving ourselves homework. I've never seen these episodes before. Tim has never seen these episodes before in the last 20 years. If we miss anything, if we egregiously skip over something, please send us an email or send us a tweet. It's at nohugging on Twitter or nohuggingnolearningshow at gmail.com. Both those links are down in the description or on the show description page on Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, please give us a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or a five-star rating on Spotify if you use either of those apps. If you like us a little bit more than that, you can join us over on Patreon, where is uh, what uh, the movies that we were talking about may end up. It's patreon.com slash nohugging, where for five bucks a month, you get not only early access to every single episode, but it's going to be extended versions of those episodes. There's uh, normally anywhere from like five to... 30 minutes of bullshit that we normally cut out of the free feed release and on patreon it's still there you know we're, we're still laughing having a good time rambling there's a lot of stuff that uh that does not make the cut for free feed but if you sub over on patreon for five bucks a month you're getting all of it again patreon.com slash no hugging should i get oh you know what i just had it open i should give a shout out to our existing patrons so we have Nate Collins, Tamara Ortiz, the guys and gals over at the Idiotville Podcast, John and Kathleen Murphy, Tim's dad and mom, Will Hall, Danica Ligorio, J-Dog Conlord, Nick Kudla, Adam Webb, Nate Collins' other email account, which uh, he did delete the pledge on. So uh, Nate Collins will have two emails accessing our patreon until march 1st 2023 so yeah i think he finally heard our our messaging on this <laughs> <laughs> and uh finally megan stalarski thank you all so much if you want to join them once again patreon.com slash no hugging all that being said season five episode five lewis needs a kidney original air date october 30th 2005 and if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry and Jeff debate how far they're willing to go to help out a friend in need. Not bad. We might be able to add to it, if, but I think kind of nailed the baseline of this episode. We'll have to see when we get to the end. So we open in Larry's office, and he is calling Omar Jones, his private investigator that he's hired, to get an update on the search for whether he is adopted or not. But he can't get past the secretary to talk to Omar because the secretary insists on knowing what is the call in reference to. And Larry doesn't <laughs> want to mention because it's a little personal. And she insists on knowing. I think Larry is right in this situation. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I mean, you should be able to say, I'm sorry, it's confidential. And yeah. that should be enough. 
Yeah, and especially also, if you're calling like a private investigator or or an attorney for that matter. Yeah, totally. And what is this in reference to? What you know, probably very secret thing. Like you don't hire a PI if it's like, oh, you know, I want to find out uh, what's in cane sauce. You know, it's like it's, <laughs> it's going to be something very. Like you said, confidential. So, I mean, I don't care what system they have in place. Omar should know better as a PI. This is like, if, if I heard a PI was doing this, I'd be like, that can't be a great PI. What, he's the yeah. best in the world? No. And, he, <laughs> and his receptionist is in on everything? No, I don't, I don't think. This isn't like Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. It's like, we don't, yeah, you don't, you don't need to know. And so, Larry, but I, Larry, like, he's like, well, why don't you tell me about the last conversation you had? And she goes, that's none of your business. He goes, exactly. And then hangs up on her or something like that. And I'm like, dang, Larry he turned it up a notch <laughs> on her. Um, also, I mean, about the about P.I., like, Larry, he'll know what's in reference to when she says Larry David called. That's yeah. as much as, like, you're not it, normally hiring a P.I. for multiple things either. I would yeah, imagine. exactly. You give him the name, and then he's like, oh, Larry yeah. called. He's probably calling about this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, out on the street, Larry locked his keys in his car, and so he calls Jeff to come and pick him up. I guess Jeff might have... A set of keys, or is he just going to give Larry a ride back to us? I would think like I, calling Cheryl. I, would yeah, be I, the move I think here. I think Jeff might just be giving him a ride. Yeah, and but I mean, it seems like an extra step when he could have called Cheryl, but you know, she's she's maybe busy a lot. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but so he calls Jeff, and then he goes to Jack in the Box nearby. Uh, the restaurant's closed, but the drive-through is open. So he starts standing. He just stands in the drive-through line. This, by the way, was like a very COVID problem. <laughs> you know, because a lot of restaurant lobbies were closed, but drive throughs were open. And so, you know, that left people without a car kind of in the lurch uh, a lot of times. So, uh, in fact, I remember being in Erie and going to the Tim Hortons. I was behind a lady and I was like, this is like such an eerie thing. She was like standing in the drive through, I think, because the lobby was closed and she was like trying to order <laughs> at the drive through. And I don't think she was like tripping the sensor or they didn't know she was there. And so nothing was happening. And and so then she like walks over to my window. It was like this, you know, old lady, and <laughs> and she was like, "I don't know what's going on." I was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know." And we're like behind this lady, and I'm like, "I don't. I think you're supposed to." I was like, "Maybe just go up to the window instead of trying to order at the." She's like, "I don't know, just want some coffee," and just like a just a total eerie <laughs> experience trying to watch this lady. This, I'm like, "Good God!" This this whole scene did make me think of eerie, like because yeah. it's it's a very like, uh, it it it's a very like. I don't know, eerie problem to have. Like, Larry David is very eerie in this in this yeah. scene. And, yeah, there's something intangible. like, well, what do, you, what do you want me to do? The restaurant's closed. I have to stand in the drive-thru? <laughs> I'm like, I'm a person. Of course I don't have a car. I'm like, oh, shut the fuck up. Do you need Jack in the Box? That's the thing. <laughs> yeah, there's something intangibly eerie culture about this line <laughs> of thinking. Like, this is totally normal. You know, I, what I'm doing is normal, you know? Um... <laughs> You know, they won't let him order at the drive-thru because he has to have a car. And so he asks... And I, I never really understood that about drive throughs I guess maybe it's like a, a security thing. I don't know where yeah, they feel... Yeah, I, I don't know either. It's uh, it's odd. Yeah, because this is drive through especially, law. Yeah, especially if you're going to say, hey, our lobby is closed, but the drive through is open. Yeah. Like, if you're, if you're going to force people to not come inside when they can, you know not be in a vehicle yeah. you should be accommodating and let them have either access in the drive-thru or have a walk-up window yes a walk-up window would be very helpful and i feel like that's something jack in the box could have easily you know it just seems like one of those uh regional fast food chains that 
you know, uh, yeah, have a walk-up window like a Sonic or something like that. Because, yeah, Sonic is all car-based, but they have a walk-up window. They figured it out. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't just not stand all, in one of those. Not all car-based. They, they do have lobbies, and they do have uh, oh. they do have tables. Actually, the uh, one of the ones near us, Sonic is huge down here, by the way. Yeah. Uh, we, we have, like, four in, like, uh, a five-mile radius in all directions. Um, I only just but- realized earlier, like last year that we have one in the area i was i was i was like, oh really I, I don't, yeah and it's not close by or anything like that but at least i know it's there if i'm ever craving yeah some, you know some uh, sonic well, one of the ones near us has like an entirely separate like picnic pavilion behind the building with like menus and buttons to order it's it's Dang. actually really cool well they have definitely up their non-car game then yeah because whenever the last time i went to sonic it it was just you know the kitchen area then all of the parking places around it Mm -hmm. um so i guess they've really you know really upped their game so larry starts going and asking all the cars behind him if he can you know order i don't know what his plan was whether it what it was what it ended up or he was like hey can you put in an order for me or whatever but he finally gets to the car uh, that's last in line who says get in the car get on in the car we'll order together and i wonder if that was larry's plan like to actually be in a car or just tell someone hey can you order something for me and i'll you know here's a 20 or what you know we know larry always has a wad of cash around um (laughs) but so uh, the the guy's like get in come on get in uh, you know and it is none other than frank whaley i don't suppose you recognize this guy did you he looked familiar yeah but i had no idea what he was from or who he was this is definitely i would say at the time especially um i would say this is like guest star material you know he was big enough at the time he his most famous role i would say is uh one he was in field of dreams but in 94 he was in kind of like an indie i mean hell i'm looking at it right now and it had a budget of 700,000. um so i would say this is definitely an indie a movie called swimming with sharks where he plays an assistant to a high-powered hollywood executive um, who is a huge asshole and it was a stretch probably because it was played by kevin spacey <laughs> that's who plays his boss and he is pushed to the i mean it's like the devil wears prada times like 90 i mean the, the way that that frank whaley gets treated in this movie by the guy he works for leads him to kidnapping and like threatening to murder his boss and it was really i mean the reason why it kind of blew up is because I think it was so, you know, it seems to outsiders like a satire of Hollywood life. But I think a lot of Hollywood people were like, oh, no, this is what it's like. And it's been my fantasy to murder my boss uh, multiple <laughs> times. Um, so I think that's why it got such a great reception. And, and Hollywood loves nothing more than movies about Hollywood or making movies or, or anything like that. So, like, just reference, you know, La La Land or The Fablemans this year, for instance. Like, there's nothing better than, like you know there's nothing more hollywood loves than like self-filating so i think that's also you know benefited from that yeah unless it comes to you know babylon (laughs) right which i haven't seen is that sort of a is that sort of the same kind of thing well i mean i i thought it looked good i thought it looked like uh interesting but just people raked it over the coals in terms of reviews yeah it's not getting a good yeah it's not getting getting a a good response absolutely not yeah, which is weird, but I I I'd probably check it out just because I love Brad Pitt and I think yeah, Margot Robbie's has great a, too. Has a two point eight out of five on Google currently. Wow. Let me see. It, it uh, shares that review, by the way, with something coming up. Uh, just to 
Ooh. Yeah, just a Ooh. little teaser there. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, seven and a half out of ten on IMDb. Uh, 56% on Rotten Tomatoes. But, like, I thought it looked good is the thing. Yeah, yeah, same here. So uh, Frank Whaley was in not only uh, Swimming with Sharks, but he was – the freshman was probably his other big role with Matthew Broderick. He plays Matthew Broderick's buddy in that that sort of follows him around with this Komodo dragon uh, in that. He played Robbie Krieger of The Doors in J- – in, um, Oliver Stone's The Doors. He played an Oswald imposter. I guess he's credited in the director's cut of JFK, another Oliver Stone movie. So uh, went back there. He's in Swing Kids. Oh, yeah, I forgot. The other big role he has is Brett, as in, check out the big brain on Brett. Because as Samuel Jackson <laughs> says to him, you've seen Pulp Fiction, right? Oh, my God. I, honestly, I don't know if I've ever sat down and watched it in its entirety. Oh, I've wow. probably seen the full movie in clips and at different parts but i don't think i've ever watched it in one sitting it's just it's just a masterpiece in my mind but there's a scene where you know uh, samuel jackson it's at the very beginning of the movie in fact and uh, samuel jackson and and john travolta's characters are in this apartment and and samuel jackson is talking about his recent trip to amsterdam and he says Mm -hmm. that in europe they don't call it the quarter pounder with cheese they call it the royale with cheese and he thinks it's a cool fun fact because John Travolta's character does not know why they call it that, but it's, of course, because they use the metric system, not the, um, you know, imperial uh, system of measurement. And so he mentions that fun fact in the apartment, and Brett, played by Frank Whaley, knows the answer. He's like, did they use the metric system? And he goes, check out the big brain on Brett! Uh, in a very menacing way. Um, He was in Broken Arrow. He was in... The Pursuit of Happiness. He was in Red Dragon. Oh, uncredited in Red Red Dragon. Oh, he was in School of Rock. He's the Battle of the Bands director that I think may or may not let oh my uh, Jack God. Black in. Yeah. Okay. But he's uncredited in that. So, again, kind of a cameo, I guess, because uh, I definitely recognize him and remember from that. So, yeah, he's just, uh, you know, just been in a ton of stuff. And But I would say at the time, in the early 2000s, he's coming off of, like, working with Oliver Stone and Pulp Fiction and Swimming with Sharks and... Uh, what else was around that time? Maybe uh, nothing huge. I mean, Red Dragon, possibly, but it's the yeah, it's the Anthony Hopkins one. Um, yeah, so uh, he lets Larry in, and we cut to them. Oh, we find out his name is Pete, and we cut to them enjoying their Jack in the Box meals in Frank's station wagon. And he, you know, Larry asks what line of work he's in. Well, I worked with a dental hygienist, and we didn't really get along and i've kind of been drawn to landscaping and larry notices a large collection of porn in this guy's car uh, <laughs> and that's when that jeff just kind shows of went up. nowhere yeah too by the way i know well they were really i was like oh this guy's a serial killer larry's like being very friendly with a serial killer i was like that's that must be what they're leading up to because he's being very cagey about you know i'm like i bet he's a serial killer who targeted dental hygienists or something like that we're going to find out. We don't find that out. But they, they were certainly building something up in this scene that doesn't really equal the sum of his parts. Yeah. Uh, later on. <laughs> uh, so Jeff shows up. And then I, I love that, like, Jeff just gets in the car. and Because he's like, hey, you ready to go? But no, Jeff gets in the car. And he just chills with a burger in the back. And they're all just kind of <laughs> chatting. It's kind of a very Tarantino scene because... Uh, you know, nothing's really happening. They're all just, yeah, they're all just chilling in the car, <laughs> yeah. eating burgers too, shooting the shit. And one thing I like about the scene that you don't see in in television and film a lot is they are legitimately stuffing their faces. 
Like they're yes. talking with their mouths like, <laughs> hey, what, what do you do for a living? Like they, they almost can't talk. And they're like shoving fries. It must have been a direction because <laughs> they're really eating in these scenes. And most of the time, you know, you don't notice it because your brain just doesn't. But most of the time it, when they film a movie, you know, scene like this, they're not actually eating. They never eat. The food is not even probably edible. It's just like it's made for the camera, not to, for ingestion. But they're like shoving their mouthful of food, everybody, while they're trying to talk. I really like that element of this scene. But uh, Jeff does take the occasion to break the news that Lewis, Richard Lewis found out that he does need a kidney, as we learned from the title of this episode. So we cut to Leo's Deli, where we've been before. And this is where Richard Lewis now has a sandwich named after him that used to be the Larry David sandwich. Uh, and Richard Lewis has no donor. He, you know, he can't find a donor, so I guess he's just going to have to get on that, that kidney list. And uh, <laughs> Larry's like, don't you have a, a cousin around here or something? This to me was a funny gag that the cousin's name is Lewis Lewis. Yeah, I, I just love that. L O U I S last name L E W I S. I I thought that was hilarious. I, I, <laughs> that was such a brilliant choice, Lewis Lewis. <laughs> but it also, you know, there are people named that. There's like Robert Roberts, and famously, mm-hmm. there's Philip Phillips who won American Idol. I'm like. <laughs> You know what you're doing when you name the kid that. It's not like a, a nickname that you know came along later. Like why? I don't. I never got that because it just seems like it would lead to more trouble than honoring the person whose first name you wanted to. You know. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I never got that, but it, it is. It is funny. But you know, so Richard kind of drops a hint here. Well, that Lewis Lewis does want to be an organ donor, but after he dies, he doesn't want any of his uh, organs. <laughs> Uh, donated until after he dies. And so Richard Lewis kind of starts being a little heavy-handed here and and is like, well, you know, my my only option is, I guess, if, like, a friend or a buddy comes through. Yeah, like, yeah. Really? And he, he looks <laughs> looks right at Larry as Larry's, like, you know, like, totally bug-eyed looking at his plate. Yeah, which is how he reacted, too, when Jeff told him he needs a kidney because he knows there's a ethical, there's a, you know, a, a chance to be brave and strong on the line that's going to be that he's going to have to confront and that's <laughs> whether or not to donate a kidney to his friend he i mean he knows it immediately he doesn't go oh my god that's awful that richard lewis my friend you know needs a kidney he's like oh my god this is going to affect me in a way that people <laughs> might judge me for that's larry's first thought yeah and it's his second yeah. thought when richard drops that hint oh man this is gonna affect me isn't it <laughs> Yeah, it's like, oh, great. Like, I definitely don't want to do it, but people are going to think I'm a bad person. And I don't, you know, nothing's worse than Larry David than someone thinking he's a bad person. Not actually yeah. being a bad or good person. It's what anyone else's opinion of him is. <laughs> so, yeah, he just stares off again like he, like a deer in headlights, you know, confronted with this choice once again. Uh, so at home, Larry, obviously, we know he's conflicted. And he, so, again, and the and the solution is not, you know, to help out his friend richard lewis he's like i need healthier friends <laughs> yeah he even says like he's next time any of my friends has anything even remotely like health related come up with them i'm dropping them like a hot potato yeah and the same goes for cheryl too the second you know she and she's like oh i thought wasn't that kind of the whole thing he's like no no we're dropping the sickness and health clause <laughs> which i like because it's literally in the wedding vows and sickness and in health he's like now we're dropping the the sickness and health clause he's like and the same goes for you too if i start you should get out of here if I start going downhill or whatever it is. Um, 
so you know he's he's got this big decision to make and Cheryl is there for support and they start snuggling but it's just a just a quick snuggle because Cheryl says that your snuggle always leads to sex and Larry doesn't see a problem with that because it's sort of the ultimate comfort you know and she's not in the mood but he agrees he's like all right just he's like this was a good snuggle I'll I agree just to snuggle but as she agrees to just snuggle he grabs a, a big handful of ass he grabs a piece and she's like all right that good night and he's like, what? Ass is part of the snuggle. Ass is part of the snuggle. <laughs> and tries to convince her that he was trying to use it as leverage to bring the snuggle closer. But it doesn't work. Uh, at Larry David's office, he calls Richard Lewis' office. And he gets the secretary, Mindy Kaling. Yeah, oh my god. <laughs> so this is like our third, I guess you might be able to say fourth, office alum. Because we had Oscar Nunez. We had the actress who plays Meredith. And now we've had Mindy Kaling. And Stephen Colbert did appear on at least one episode of The Office as a former acapella bandmate of Andy. So you might be able to count him as an, uh, an Office alum as well that is, has been on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Um, it's just interesting that, that uh, so many of them pop up. So we might have to see where Mindy Kaling was in her, you know, in her comedy career uh, at this point. I'm always interested um, to see maybe I wonder if because she kind of popped on the comedy scene writing um, a play about Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and I think it was like gender swapped where she played you know like she wrote it with another woman and they each played Ben Affleck and Matt Damon and um, it's about them like being delivered the script for Goodwill Hunting from heaven or something like that oh and, my and god they, they didn't actually write it or something like that and evidently it was like really funny and it like just lit up the, the LA comedy scene like immediately and interestingly enough I read about that I remember reading about it and it wasn't until years later I was like holy shit I forgot all about that and I didn't realize it was Mindy Kaling because when I read this read about that play I like she wasn't a name she was like oh this 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 unknown person wrote a thing but I read about that I'm pretty sure either on one or both sides because they were like sister sites on Jezebel or Gawker uh, oh no! So that's how long ago it was. Yeah, and I know Gawker comes up a lot. By the way, I saw the other day. I didn't even realize, I guess, that it was back. But Gawker has shut down again. <laughs> just as an aside. Oh um, yeah, I didn't even. I didn't know that it was back either. Yeah, uh, and so it just shut down again earlier this week. <laughs> I guess it was rebooted mid 2021, and then it was shut down for a second time just this week. Yeah, so we'll find out a little bit about Mindy Kaling, but. She also wants to know, what does this call in reference to? And so Larry, who knows that now receptionists are the gatekeepers of who gets to go, he's like, well, you know, it's about uh, his kidney uh, transplant. Richard Lewis's secretary just breaks down. uh, (laughs) Like, I can't believe he didn't tell me. I can't believe he's dying. Just all of of the above. Uh, And later, Richard Lewis is in Larry's office upset with him because the the you know his it really you know caused a bone of contention between him and his secretary she's threatening to leave she is a nervous wreck and you know it's affecting the work and all of that but L- larry said you know i was calling to let you know and here you go I- i'm gonna take the test to see if we're a-, a donor match and richard lewis is like kind of ungrateful because he should have jumped on it <laughs> yesterday at the diner when Richard Lewis was telling him about it. He's, he's upset with Larry for taking too long to come to the correct decision. Yeah, like like he literally says, oh, cool, big fucking deal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you want? What do you want, Richard Lewis? It was too little too late, you know? Like, he'll accept it still, but it's too little too late. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll still take your kidney. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. 
Jesus it's Christ. Too, it's too little too late for any uh, gratitude. <laughs> Not too little too late for the life-saving uh, surgery. <laughs> um, I loved that Richard's like, think of it in my shoes, you know, where I and like, and Larry's like, okay, let's reverse it. I say I need a kidney. What do you think you? What do you think your reaction would have been? And Richard, almost like half-heartedly agreeing, goes like, uh, I probably would have jumped at it. And I love that Larry goes, yeah, you'd have jumped out the window. I thought that was a good comeback. <laughs> um, but it's at that point that Larry gets a call, and it's about Pete, the guy he had uh, a late dinner with at Jack in the Box. And so he says, I'll be right there. And right there is the Los Angeles Police Department Northeast Station, which is still at 3353 North San Fernando Road, uh, right next to, interestingly enough, the very famous Forest Lawn Cemetery, where uh, a lot of celebrities are buried, including Michael Jackson. Uh, but this is the business, if you want to call it that, that also has a 2.8-star <laughs> review, aggregate review on Google. What, the LAPD? Yeah, the LAPD Northeast <laughs> Station, specifically. <laughs> I, I was going to make a joke about, yeah, we love to see an institution still in business, but, oh, no, that, that, that's in pretty poor taste. LAPD, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I just thought it was funny that it also has 2.8 stars, which is the same as... Uh, Babylon, was I think. Was it Babylon? Oh, Babylon. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Um, oh, 2.8 out of 2.8. Yeah. On Google. But that's 2.8 out of 5, I think, is for LAPD, right? Out of 5 yeah. stars? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The same review is. And so this uh, this Northeast Station serves Atwater Village, uh, East Hollywood, Echo Park, Franklin Hills, Highland Park, Los Feliz, Silver Lake. So that's where that's some of their jurisdiction there. And so I, I, I wish I could figure out where this Jack in the Box was. I'm sure if I looked at every... <sighs> jack-in-the-box location I, yeah. I probably would have stumbled across it uh but i did not so man I, I, i'll tell you what i've been craving jack-in-the-box over the last two weeks and this episode is not doing me any favors are you close to a jack-in-the-box oh yeah we've got a couple near us oh nice never and been I, never experienced really oh here, never shot a gun like... never been to jack-in-the-box i should do them both <laughs> on the same day at the same place <laughs> hey well uh i i don't want to get into spoilers for the end yeah, of this episode exactly <laughs> um but uh yeah i don't know if my uh colon would be able to handle it right now we got uh, we another thing that came up in this episode we got sonic yesterday for dinner yeah, oh, and yeah. i have had absolute like constant farts yowza and it's yeah. just oh my god yeah, so Larry and Jeff are at the uh, LAPD Northeast Station there, and Larry is, uh, you know, surprised that Jeff is not taking the kidney test because he has agreed. So here's the other thing Larry loves now that he has um, resigned himself to taking this test. It's feeling superior to other people. So not only does it give him that ability, but also the fact that he's doing it. He's like, you should be doing it too. You know, you're his friend and manager, and, and, and it's a – and Jeff's like, well, you've known him longer. So it's a longevity thing, uh, which Larry Camp doesn't agree with. He's like, oh, so say you're married to someone I've known for 25 years and she needs a kidney. I'm on the hook for it, not her actual husband. If we're both possibly a match, like you wouldn't take the test. And, and Jeff seems to agree with that. He's like, yeah. Um, and then Larry pulls rank and he was like, okay, well, I, I don't want to do this, but you're technically an employee of mine. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love that method. Like you have to, you know, you owe me a kidney because you work for me. 
Uh, that doesn't necessarily work either. Jeff doesn't <laughs> doesn't buy into that. But Larry uh, runs into Omar, who is at the police station, obviously visiting, you know, doing something there. And he's upset with Larry over angering his receptionist because he wouldn't, uh, you know, tell her what the call was in reference to. And so the receptionist is threatening to quit and walk out and all that stuff. Uh, we find out that Larry is at the police station because apparently he's Pete's alibi for spending, uh, you know, X amount of time with him in that Jack in the Box parking lot. He's been kind of you know, accused of something. Um, and Larry and Jeff have to identify Pete in a lineup, which they do easily. Like, there he is. Yeah, second from the right. That's definitely uh, Pete. And we don't really, like, the cop doesn't really go into anything. He's like, okay, you shared a meal with that guy. That is Pete Hagen, a.k.a. Like, he runs down sort of like, not Like, his four or five sheet. nicknames. Yeah, but nothing that he, we don't really get any information as to what he actually is accused of. At least yeah. I didn't, right? Yeah. Okay, I was making no, sure that I didn't no, miss nothing. anything. Yeah, but it's at that point for some reason that Jeff agrees that he'll take the test too. So over at Huntington Medical Plaza, which is still at 800 South Fairmount uh, in Pasadena, as it says on the sign there, uh, Larry and Jeff are taking the kidney test and the nurse comes out and she is so happy for them to report that they are both a match for Richard Lewis. And <laughs> Jeff does, I'm curious to see what you think of this bit because I liked it. And Jeff <laughs> says, one of his catchphrases, good night, nurse. <laughs> and the nurse goes, good night. And Jeff goes, it's a saying. And that begins a back and forth that goes on for what feels like about five minutes. But, you know, he's like, you know, it's just a saying. He's like, I've never heard it. He's like, well, it is. Okay. All right. You know, they, they go back and forth with like very <laughs> they, do, they do go on for quite a while. Yeah. A very inane talk. And, and I, I kind of laughed at this. I, I liked this bit. But it seems like one that might have graded on you. How did you feel See, about it? I, I liked this a lot more than <laughs> doctor, yeah. pharmacist. Doctor, yeah. pharmacist. Doctor, pharmacist. Because they were saying different fucking things. Yeah. You know? It was just as inane and inconsequential, but at least it was a conversation. Yeah, it was like, yes. I've never heard it. Well, it is. Like it, 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 good for you. It moved it for me. the conversation <laughs> forward. Yeah. So we uh, cut to a bench in the park where Larry and Jeff are discussing about how to decide who is going to donate their kidney to Richard Lewis. And they agree since, you know, neither of them can, they'll let Richard Lewis decide. And by the way, no campaigning uh, is what I think. I forget who comes up with that rule. I believe it's Jeff. But Larry thinks that. Jeff would also be the one in there going, oh, you know, I'm look how unhealthy I am. Look how skinny Larry David is and and all that stuff. So they, they agree. No campaigning. No trying to sway him one way or another. So cut to Larry immediately campaigning. <laughs> he goes to Richard Lewis's <laughs> office uh, and the secretary breaks down again when Larry shows up because one reason is because, you know, Larry's there to talk to Richard about the kidney, but he's on the phone with Jeff. And Larry goes, oh, probably about the kidney thing, probably campaigning or whatever. But, you know, when the secretary thinks about Richard needing a kidney and all that, uh, all the emotional baggage that comes with that, she she breaks down again. But as Larry starts consoling her, she blows up at him for kind of like petting her hair. Like, yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I'm on her side with this, because if you're if you're going to console somebody, you don't need to put your hand around their head and rub their hair. Like, yeah. a, a hug is totally fine. A hug is enough. How about rubbing the back? Is that okay? That's that's a little much. Yeah. I mean that, that that's that's on the line. I guess if you if you know the person very well, which Larry does not, right. maybe. 
Yeah, that like kind of, you know, we, we're hugging and like then that up and down rubbing like that's okay, that's okay, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, because I know, if you yeah. know the person well, yes, he was and it was a little bit more like running his fingers through her hair than petting. It was a little creepy, though. Yeah, I, I guess I would like obviously Larry, we know Larry wasn't trying to do that. Like he wasn't, you know, trying to turn cuddling into sex or anything like that. But he, but is you know, it, it was a little bit more than like rubbing the side of a head, which I could see. Like you know, the head is something you want to you know support if someone is 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 hugging you, perhaps. But again, maybe it was a little too familiar, and it was a little bit more not necessarily like rubbing the side of her head, like running his fingers through her hair, which is a little more intimate. But um, she, uh, you know, blows up at him for that uh, inappropriate gesture, and she's like, "I'm leaving," and so she storms out, and and. Richard is like, you know, thanks a lot. And he's like, you, what is, do you think she's quit or is she just, I'm leaving? He's like, oh, she said I'm leaving. That, yeah. So it's kind of a, a mystery as to what she meant by that. But that's when Larry starts campaigning about, you know, how much bigger Jeff's kidney is. He can probably handle a lot more than Larry's skinny little kidneys. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Richard doesn't care who the kidney comes from. Again, a little ungrateful on Richard Lewis's half. You know, he's. He's excited that he's going to live, but also he doesn't want to put up with making... He doesn't want to be a part of the decision, which is weird. But he's like, I don't care. Do flip a coin. Do eeny meeny. And uh, and so as he leaves, Larry goes, all right, I got to figure out... He tries to figure out who to start with so that he wins eeny meeny <laughs> mighty yeah, moe. He, he practices it and everything. Yeah. Yeah. He goes through the whole thing and he's like, all right, start with me. Start with me. Start with me. And so over at Marty Funkhauser's or somebody's house, Marty Funkhauser is there and he is doing the... He's flipping the coin. And that's when Larry nonchalantly suggests, hey, why don't we just do eeny meeny instead of the coin flip? And so he does, you know, he convinces Jeff and Marty's fine with it. As Marty finishes the eeny meeny miny mo, he says, out goes Y-O-U and lands on Larry. And Larry and Jeff both stand up and, and they're both so happy. And Jeff's like, why are you happy? You're, you're the one donating a kidney. He's like, no, out goes you. I'm out. That means you're it. <laughs> Uh, and I, and that means Larry gives a kidney, and I am on Larry's side here. Where do you fall on this? I, I feel like this is why I always clarify, yeah, like how it, like the linguistics of it, yeah, and the terminology of how we're going to do it prior to doing it. It's why every time someone says, "Oh, well, let's uh, let's do rock paper scissors," every time before I start, I'm like, "Okay, just to clarify, we're doing rock." paper scissors then shoot right, right right it's not it's not decide on scissors right yeah rock paper three yeah right yeah it's it's one two three then shoot. throw yeah you have to lay down the basic rules mm-hmm yeah and also i mean it's everybody i feel like there are variations of eeny meeny miny mo that a make it clear but also b would have thrown off larry's start with me thing you know it's like uh, catch a tiger by his toe. If he hollers, let him go. But I remember also as a kid doing if he hollers, make him pay $50 every day. And that adds a little <laughs> bit more. Like that adds a, a variable to the whole thing, a variable rhythm to the whole thing. You know, and my mommy told me to pick the very best one. And here's where I think it would have been a little clearer is that they did. And you are not it. Or are you going to go the other way and say, and you are it, which removes one of those things. So I feel like Larry was putting his life in God's hands as far as like knowing the version of that rhyme that Marty grew up with anyway. Is that right? Is that Marty? Why do I want to say Morty? I guess I'm thinking of... You're thinking um, of Rick and Morty. Yeah, either that or um, Morty Seinfeld. Oh, uh, Jerry's dad. okay. Yeah. I don't know why I'm like, Marty sounds wrong for some reason, but yeah. So Larry was definitely, you know, it was a crapshoot 
as far as doing this anyway. But I agree that like, and uh, and out goes Y-O-U means Larry is removed. The only one left is Jeff. He's it. That to me is <laughs> out goes you means you're out of consideration. I think Larry's exactly right. But Susie even backs up Marty and Jeff. But that's a moot point anyway because she won't let Jeff, a.k.a. a big fat fuck, give up a kidney in any way because a he needs both because he's so unhealthy but b what if his kids need one of the kidneys one day and i love how you know marty absolves himself he's like oh, i only wish i oh i only wish i was involved in this too so i could help out richard lewis and, and larry's like you didn't even take the test why don't you take the test And he's like i don't uh you know and he sort of like brushes it off he's like no 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 you guys are doing this and it's great and in this case too in this hypothetical situation you know he's like and plus, he's got kids what if one of the kids needs a kidney one day he's keeping both of them and and Larry's like, well, what, what about he's got you? You know, you could be a match. He's like, and she's like, I might not be a match. It's like again, you're taking yourself out of the kidney donation conversation, even hypothetically before it even happens. But I love how Marty and Susie both do that. But uh, yeah, so so Larry is on the hook for the kidney. But I think it is. And at home in this very next scene, Cheryl is agreeing with Jeff and Susie and everybody. So even Larry's wife isn't on his side in this case. Yeah. But. Yeah, I mean, he's. I, I, I agree with every one of Larry's arguments. Like, you know, but Jeff was like, the person that is out, that only works if you're doing it with more than two people. The person that's out is it if you're doing it with just two people. And and I think you you hit the nail on the head there. It's like, you got to agree on that before you do before you do the rhyme. It was just a mess yeah. all around it. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And can we can we blame Marty for this? Yeah, I think so because Marty is on Jeff's side for some yeah, he, reason. Yeah, he's well. I mean, he's the one that's officiating. You know, he's the one yeah. doing uh, doing the eeny meeny miny mo. He's in this episode for no other reason <laughs> yeah. other than this. To be I don't know what he's doing over at Jeff's house, but <laughs> yeah, I, I feel yeah. like Marty can take the blame for this. Yeah, you're right. He should have made it clear what the outcome of the rhyme was going to be, what what rhyme he was using, because yeah, it would have led to you know Larry still wouldn't have been happy, but. It would have just been a little clear-cut case. Cheryl says, you know, maybe this is the reason you got saved from drowning. And I love Larry's response. He's like, "What? why would God do that? Why wouldn't he just make his kidney better? Why would he go to all the trouble to save me from drowning? <laughs> it's a great point. <laughs> uh, but, you know, Cheryl's giving him a pep talk about, you know, what a what a good friend he is and what a you know good decision this is and stuff. And, and she... Uh, you know, gives him a hug. He stands up and they hug. And, and that's when he goes in to, to grab another piece. Uh, and she's like, no, this is, she was like, are you really trying to turn consolation into sex? And he's like, sex is the ultimate form of consolation. Oh, God. <laughs> um, but it's at that point when the news uh, comes on and Larry sees that Peter Hagen, the guy that he was at Jack in the Box with, is has been arrested for holding up a Jack in the Box and shooting one of the employees, Lewis Lewis. We learned earlier <laughs> that he works at a Jack in the Box. And uh, so he shot Lewis Lewis, who is now in a coma and is not expected to survive. L- Larry jumps for joy as the picture freeze frames and frolic starts up. I I love this as an ending. Uh, oh. the, the, the jump and freeze frame. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. The jump for joy freeze frame. Yeah. <laughs> Because a man is about to die, but that man yeah. just happens to, you know, have this, agreed. Uh, this this Jack in the Box employee just got shot at work. <laughs> yeah, over like a couple hundred bucks. That yeah, yeah. that this this porn addict, dental hygienist, uh, you know, <laughs> um, 
but now Larry is going to be off the hook, uh, potentially. We're guessing. That's what it seems like. That's definitely what he's so happy about. And, yeah, it's a great ending. So we've had some great endings so far as we reach the, the half of Season 5. All right, Tim. What do we got for homework this week? I just wrote down Mindy Kaling. Okay. So we'll Perfect. find out where she was in her comedy journey or her acting journey uh, next week. What do you like for cover art this week? I mean, something with Richard Lewis makes sense. It, it does, but I really liked the visual of Larry standing in the drive-thru. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is that great three shot of, you know, Peter, Larry, and Jeff, you know, chilling, just eating burgers oh, in, yeah. in the car is cool, too. All of them in the car, yeah. But I, but I like Larry in the drive-thru. That is a funny visual. All right. I, I, either way, I'll see what I can make work this yeah. week. Uh, let's see what we can do about the description, though. All right. So we had Larry and Jeff debate how far they're willing to go to help out a friend in need. I think it's perfect. I don't think we could have done any better, if even if it was bad. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, we can we can make it worse by saying... Uh, <laughs> Help out a friend in kid need. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, I feel like if, if if it was bad and we tried to make it better, we wouldn't have come up with something as good as this because it would give away too much. I mean, the title already gives away too much. But if you didn't know yeah. the title and you're like, wow, I wonder what this means, it would, it's just, it's great. And, and it is, there's nothing else that happens. There's no other storyline in this episode, really. Yeah. There's like little you're gags right. here and there, but it's a rare kind of, a story only. Um, I mean, there's the stuff with the receptionist, but that's just. I mean, it's not even a story. I mean, it's just yeah. I mean, we happens. got we got vi- we got a little bit of advancement in uh, the storyline with Omar uh, looking into whether or not Larry's adopted. Yeah, because um, because he did say that he was uh, following a couple of leads and he had uh, uh, something that he needed to tell Larry, but we didn't get that. Ah, you see, I didn't even pick up on that. But yeah, it was it was almost like the small bit of advancement we had last episode when they're like, "Uh, did you hear about Richard Lewis? Yeah, he needs a kidney. Um, And that was it. You know, that was kind of our our setup for this episode. So maybe maybe that was a setup for the next episode. I don't know. But no, perfect. Perfect. Can't do anything with the synopsis. All right, Tim, did you like this episode? Yeah, I did. I mean, it it wasn't uh, I, I don't think it's star worthy, but I loved the ending so much. I mean, that almost saved the whole thing from being, I feel like, <laughs> a sub average episode. But this was, a, a, you know, this is just a great episode, uh, a standard textbook, great episode of Curb. What about you? I, I got to agree. You know, I, I don't think it's incredible, but I liked it a lot better than the episode last week. Yeah. Um, maybe it's because uh, example being, I already mentioned, was the differences in the uh, the circling dialogue bit where yeah. the pharmacist versus doctor was literally just circling the same conversation. <laughs> and it happened two times, two scenes in a row, whereas Jeff and the nurse actually advanced the, <laughs> the conversation, actually advanced the scene. Yeah. So maybe that's my maybe that's my line. You know, for, <laughs> yeah. for, for a scene like that, if it advances the dialogue, if it advances the scene, if it gets you somewhere else, I'm all for it. But yeah. if it's just someone like going back and forth and back and forth for the sake of going back and forth, that's what I don't like. Yeah, it was sort of background noise for Larry's, again, sudden realization that he's going to be on the hook to, to lose one of his kidneys. But also yeah. it was interesting to it was the way that Jeff dealt with the news as well. Like he would have been staring off, except that he was kind of taking his feelings out on this, this nurse in that instance. Like I've never heard it. Well, good for you. Like oh, it, I think it is. <laughs> I agree. Well, great. We both agree. Oh, do we? Yeah, we do. You know that kind of. It wasn't. It really didn't go anywhere. But 
it was just a, a small window, I feel like, into Jeff's psyche at that moment, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> he was just sort of, you know, his mind was racing, I'm sure. And now he's got to be in this dumb conversation with this nurse because he used his catchphrase that involves nurses. <laughs> All right. Next week, we have got season five, episode six, The Smoking Jacket, original air date, November 6th, 2005. And if you are looking in TV Guide that night, you are going to see Larry is blackmailed into making two wishes come true and swap smoking jackets with an icon. Interesting. I mean, the only icon that I associate with smoking jackets is Hugh Hefner. Well, I mean, uh, judging by the thumbnail that HBO uses for this episode, (laughs) you're you're, you're, going to get spoiled almost immediately (laughs) as to who it is. Okay, well, I have not seen the thumbnail. Uh, (laughs) Just clue me in. Who is it? Who is it? Is it's you out there? Oh, yeah. Okay, of course. Yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like this is almost kind of a cross promotion with uh, that and the Girls Next Door show. Yeah, yeah, they're Be- because it's been. got it's got um oh, I forget their oh, names. God. Was it Holly? Yep, and and Bridget. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Okay, let me. I gotta see whenever uh, when the Girls Next Door aired. Um, so it started. Uh, oh my God! First episode date. August 7th, 2005. So it had just premiered. Ugh. I almost, uh, I'm almost dreading the cross promotion, like the poorly (laughs) aging of like, yeah, everybody loves the Playboy Mansion and it's gonna, this, the Playboy lifestyle is gonna live forever. Yeah. I doubt that will hold up, but we'll see. We will see. Oh, and, and Tim, not only that, there was an episode of The Girls Next Door that aired this same night. Jeez. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And Kendra was the other one we forgot, by the way. Oh yes, how can I forget Kendra? Yeah, Kendra cause... was my Kendra was my crush whenever I was a teenager. I think she's the one that I thought was the hottest as well. Yeah, probably because she I she looked the most normal. You know, she wasn't like very polished. I also remember that she would laugh through her teeth, which Joel McHale would make fun of constantly on <laughs> the stoop. Um, whenever she, because it was like yeah, this, this, yeah, this, the show is definitely like fodder for the suit. Oh absolutely. yeah, oh yeah, and, and probably because it was on E, right? So he could show clips like without. I mean, paying they, any they show they showed clips any uh, of anything yeah. pretty much. You're yeah. Right. Uh, all right. Well, this will be an interesting journey back to the mid two thousands for both of us. Uh, and I guess is that it? Yeah, I think that is it. All right, for No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hollowell. Be good!